Hello, everyone. Welcome to Connecting the Dots. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host for Relevant Bible Study, Rightly Divided Dispensationally on Connecting the Dots. How is everyone? I know it's been a while since I have put any content on here, and I just appreciate the ones that's been listening to my show and listening to the content that I have on here on this show first of all just like to thank you all and god bless you all uh for listening to my content my content on this show it's very important to get the analytics out there and to reach out to more people with bible study rightly divided content now i'm going to leave this message short i want to just give you some updates uh so i don't have a certain message that i'm going to uh teach today what i'm going to be doing and the next few shows, I'm going to be having audio guest on my show. You're going to hear certain audio guests. And I notice on my analytics, a lot of people like the audio guests, especially when it comes to the late Les Feldick and some of his teachings and stuff like that. So what I'm going, I'm going to do, I'm going to put some more great, outstanding teaching from Les Feldick on Connecting the Dots. You know, and I think that's a, uh, according to what I see from the analytics and the listeners, that's that's kind of like a call out for more teaching like that from Les Feldick. So I just want to I just want to uh, go where I see the people are, are more interested in listening to for us format breakdown and explaining the Bible because I'm with that 100 percent. The late Les Feldick is one of my favorite mentors since I've. I have learned how to dispensationally rightly divide the word of God. So the late Les Feldick is one of my favorite mentors. I have a lot of uh, great uh, followers that I follow and what I get a lot of my information from and how to rightly divide the word of God. Les Feldick and Trey Searcy has been uh, two that I have been following. I'm going to tell you this right now. This is just me just listening to these guys teaching, teaching and the way they they come with the verses and the scriptures to back them up. It's incredible. And I just listening to them. I learned so much. And then I start adding my own and doing my own research. When I listen to uh, teachers like Les Feldick and Trey Searcy, and there's others out there, Justin Johnson from Grace Ambassadors. He also has a lot of information on his website, a lot of teaching notes, which is outstanding. Those three teachers, unique in their own way. Now, everyone doesn't agree on everyone all the time, but the, uh, I believe 90 percent of the time they come from the same type of agreement when it comes to the word of God. They have a different type of flavor and this disagreements with all of us. You know, that's OK. But what did Paul said? We need to stand and always be in one accord. That does not mean that we won't see things differently sometimes. You know, that's not too much of an issue with that. The issue comes when it comes to uh, salvation. Uh, sound doctrine for forgiveness and what you must do and different things like that or just believing in the full deity of Christ that's most important and and when it comes to this doctrine before you know certain verses or understanding or interpretation we might differ in you know we can just let bygones be bygones uh, on when it comes to things like that you know but when it comes to the major the major beliefs and, you know, learning the word of God when it comes to sound doctrine. When it comes to the gospel of salvation, how to be saved today, what we must do, what we must believe 
compared to what we must do. You understand what I'm saying? That's very important when it comes to forgiveness of sins. It's very important. This is the way I see it. When it comes to knowing what happened at the cross, knowing what happened at the finished work of cross, finished work of Christ, that's when things differ with a lot of grace teachers or so-called uh, mid-acts dispensational teachers. They get stuck when it comes not on salvation, the big debate uh, going on with a lot of grace teachers, which is somewhat sad because even me just getting into this to see is as simple as Second Corinthians 5 and 19. The debate is, is everyone in the world sins forgiven? That's the debate. In. And sometimes that causes a little roadblock. Some people might get angry or some people might name call or some people might say, you know, you know, called they get called different different names. I even use that term limited forgiveness. And I understand why that term is used because you are limited in forgiveness if you don't believe everybody in the world's forgiveness is been everybody has been forgiven, excuse me. Their sins has not been counted against them according to Second Corinthians five and nineteen. That's pretty plain. You cannot sugarcoat it another way or find other verses to change or contradict or just, you know, make it come to what you wanted to believe. If I can, if I can explain that the best way I, I can. So I believe many grace teachers differ in that. The majority that I see of grace teachers don't believe everyone's sins has been forgiven. And that's kind of sad. It's a few of us that's do, that do. But a lot of us, some of these great teachers do not believe that everyone's sins are forgiven. So, with that said, if you hear an audio guest on there looking at forgiveness, everybody on here that I have is on, going to be on agreement when it comes to salvation, no doubt. But when it comes to forgiveness, you're going to have a limited type of forgiveness believer, outstanding grace teacher that just cannot grasp, maybe because of their denominational upbringing or their traditional upbringing, does not agree that everyone's sins has been forgiven. You have some believe that everyone's sins are forgiven at the cross, but they have to believe it. You have that type of tone, and the Bible, Word of God, does not teach that. It has nothing to do with us believing if we, if we are forgiven or not. Whether you believe it or not, you still are forgiven. That's the point. But you have some uh, grace teachers that believe that way and they think that way. So they, they get the name termed limited forgiveness. I term them. I give them that name limited forgiveness, not because they're bad teachers, not because they're false teachers, not because they're uh, somewhat bad in this and whatever like that. Or no, it has nothing to do with it. It's just there. That is a limited forgiveness. If you don't believe that everyone's sins has been forgiven. Now, I believe they believe that because they still look at forgiveness as being saved. See, and that's I believe that's one of the biggest issues. A lot of ministers, you know, outside grace teachers. I know why they think that. But the grace teachers of mid acts or whatever believe that being forgiven a uh, unsaved person being forgiven is just like saying they are saved because they think forgiveness and salvation is in the same package, which is not. You have been. Only way to be saved, you have to be justified. The only way to be saved, you have to be reconciled back to 
God. See, has nothing to do with your forgiveness. Under the teachers of the Apostle Paul, if you read his letters, justification is salvation. Reconciliation is salvation. Glorification is salvation. All that is salvation. Never mention forgiveness is salvation. Forgiveness of sins is no free ticket of being saved. You are just not you're just not going to be charged for the sins you commit. I talk about this on my other show, Body of Christ Real Talk. <clears throat> and I explain it very deeply on that. What 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 is going on here when it comes to forgiveness? Now I could not say it no plainer. No plain, no uh, more plain that I can say it now. When God forgave the world of their sins, he was able to do that because what Jesus done on the cross is called the finished work of Christ. Listen closely. The finished work of Christ. When Jesus said it is finished, he was talking about it's the, the finished works for the world. When Jesus first came, he came for many. Remember, the many was Israel. The many was the Jews. They laid on down the law and Paul's teachers. Paul said Jesus came and died for all. I'm paraphrasing for all. The many was the Jews. The finished work is the all. You understand what I'm saying? When Jesus came in his earthly ministry, he came for many. The many, meaning Israel, meaning the Jews. They had to go out or whatever like that. But after the finished work, his death, burial, resurrection, the finished work was completed for all. He always came for the world. But the starting point was for the many to get together first. They supposed to be the one to go out to the world. But God, with his all knowing all powerful omniscient ways already knew that Israel was going to be disobedient and they were not going to make it. So he always had the plan for the world. You and I did not know that, but God already knew. So the finished work is the death, burial, resurrection for all forgiveness of the world. Always been in the making. It's nothing new. Okay. God always had the plan for the world to be forgiven of sins. See, forgiven of their sins, not a free ticket to go to heaven because you have two programs. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that now. Forgiveness is not a free ticket to heaven. OK, you understand what I'm saying? Forgiveness when Israel got their sins forgiven through their sacrifices, their different blood sacrifices and, uh, you know, type of sacrifices they had under the law. Their forgive their sins was forgiven instantly. See? Their sins was forgiven instantly, but they had to continue to do that. The sacrifices and different things under the Mosaic law. When Jesus came on earth, they had to believe Jesus, who he was. They had to believe that he was their promised Messiah for their sins to be forgiven. But if they sin again back then under the law, they had to do the same format. They had to sacrifice or ask Jesus for to forgive them of their sins. That's why Jesus said to the young lady, sin no more. He wouldn't have to say that to us today because we're not being charged with sins. But back then they were sins 
was a problem files being charged against them. That's why he told them to sin no more. It was a lot of focus on sin under the earth, on the under the earthly ministry. If you read the book of John, which I'm reading now and different things like that, you would know it was a lot of focus on sins. It was a lot of times the disciples brought up sin when they talked about the blind man. Was it because of the sin in his man's life? Was it because the focus was on sin and the damage that sin can cause even today? Now, let me get back to that. That Okay. Now, sin affects us as human, it's, it's, it affects the world bad, period, because sins bring death. It brings corruption. Uh, it brings all that stuff. You know, sin is the author of making a why we get old now, because sin ushers in death. OK, so these bodies are dying the minute you are conceived as a little egg, a person and a woman's womb. They're born into sin. Sin affects you, okay? So, it's the sin nature. It always has been the sin nature that is going to be a problem and always be a problem for men and women that lives on this earth, even a believer. The sin nature. Okay, now, let me go back. Why is I, why I'm going about uh, all around about this? When God forgave the world of their sins, he forgave them of the penalty of sin. Listen carefully, the penalty of sin. That means he is not charging you for the sins that we commit. In essence, that does not mean that he took away our sins in a sense that we would never sin again. You, you follow what I'm saying? Forgiveness of sins does not mean that we will never sin again. Why? Because we have a sin nature. He, he is able to forgive us of all of our sins. Why? Because, you know, we go sin again. Because as long as we are in these immortal bodies in this sinful nature, we have a sinful nature in this sinful body or frame or temple. We are the flesh I'm talking about. We are going to sin. Even the believer still going to struggle with the flesh. Paul, Paul proved that in Romans seven. We are going to struggle with the flesh, not the spirit, man, because you got to remember the spirit, man. The new spirit, the quickened spirit is the one that is saved. The quickened spirit is the one that is going to the heavenly places. OK. Yes, we're going to get new bodies, but these bodies is not going to heaven. We're going to get supernatural bodies. OK, this fleshly body is not going to heaven. The supernatural bodies is going to be joined with our spirit. Yes, but the, this fleshly body is not going to heaven. So we we need we, this. This fleshly body is the sin nature. The spirit man that's in a believer is the person that's going to the heavenly places is the person that communicate through God, through the Holy Spirit. You understand that? So when God forgave the world, he forgave the penalty of sin that we are, that the world is going to do, not taking away their sins or their acts or not giving them a free ticket to go to heaven. So your that's why the sins of going of sinning is not your salvation is not based on your sins under grace, under this dispensation. Okay? 
It's not based on your sins. Now, some people, they even back in Paul's day, people would think Paul, they was just uh, using Paul as a straw man or just saying Paul was teaching like free grace. I'm just paraphrasing that. It's all right to go out. You can live any type of way you want. See, they was basing that just like they based that on today. You can just because my sins are forgiven. I can live any type of way I want and still go to heaven. You see the confusion? That's why many was having a problem with that. That's why some grace teachers and the church today has a problem with that because it sounds like it's a free ticket to live any way you want and go to heaven. They're putting salvation and forgiveness together. That's the mistake. That's not sin. You're going to always suffer. You're going to always suffer for your actions of sins, period. You're just not going to get charged for it. See, you could live. Uh, now, I'm talking to the world. I'm going to start with them. The world, you have some evil worldly. And I used to be in that world, too. But you have some evil, wretched, cold blooded people that's not going to change. Done some very evil, perverted. And you have some monsters out there. You have some really bad people out there and I see why people cannot swallow forgiveness of sins because they don't understand it that God is not charging them for sin now the confusion is if it's not explained you would think because God is not holding or counting sins against no one it that means that he uh, he 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 does not hate it or he don't care how you live you see the, how that can be conf if you don't explain it to a young believer or to the world. See, forgiveness of sin is just mean you God is not charging you for it. It's just like you in court. And you have been acquitted does not mean not acquitted or whatever like that does not mean you not guilty of the crime. You just been acquitted because of lack of evidence and stuff like that. OK, just think about a person forgive you. See. Of what you've done does not mean you're not guilty. Forgiveness of sin does not mean you're not guilty. You are still very guilty. You just not been charged for it. That's that's all. That's forgiveness of sins. That's what the forgiveness of sins is talking about. Well, second Corinthians five and 19. God is not counting sin against no one. Does not mean that. Your sinful ways will not hurt you or destroy you on the long run, on the long run. And does not mean that because he didn't give you a new nature. He did not take the sin nature away. He's just not charging you for the sin act. You, you follow what I'm saying? See. When your child done something bad. And they are guilty. You forgive them, correct? But that does not make them not guilty. You just forgave them. That don't mean you're going to let them do these things again. That don't mean you're not going to discipline them, whatever like that. You just forgave them and you keep on forgiving them. No matter how wretched and what they keep doing, you keep forgiving them. See, but they get worse and worse. And some of them might wind up in jail or prison or they wind up dead. No matter how far it goes and you don't like it, you can't stand it. You still forgive them as a believer. You still forgive them. 
You help them the best way you can. You give them a chance. See, because you forgave your child, your daughter or your son does not mean you're going to let them in your house and continue to be disruptive like they're disruptive. But you do forgive them. But you saying, I'm not letting you in my house. I'm going to let you go to jail and serve some time, but I forgive you. You see where I'm going for that? Forgiveness does not merit salvation. Let me say this again. Forgiveness does not merit salvation. One more time. Forgiveness does not equal salvation. See, forgiveness does not equal justification. Forgiveness does not equal or make you righteousness or the righteousness of Christ. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Justification, righteousness, reconciliation are for believers that's going to the heavenly places. See, not only is a believer forgiven past tense before he was saved, he was already forgiven. She was already forgiven. See, but the reason that we are going to heaven it's because we have been reconciled back to God. We are justified now. We have the righteousness of Christ. Not our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. That's why we're going to heaven. Not because of forgiveness. Being forgiveness just paved the way for us to be saved. It doesn't make us saved. It just pays. It opened the doors for a chance for the world to be saved. I just happen to believe what Jesus done, not believing that he forgave me, but believing what he done to forgive me. You, you see what I'm saying? Because the forgiveness has already been in place 2000 years ago. So when a person, most of them out of ignorance and some grace teachers that I call and other teachers might call limited forgiveness. We are not saying that you are a false teacher or you're not saying or nothing like that. I know I'm not. I wouldn't go there. You guys are a blessing to me. You know, my what I am saying is the world is forgiven whether you believe it or not. Forgiveness does not merit or equal salvation. So the whole world, I can, I see that very simple. When we, when I explained it like that, you can be forgiven does not mean that you're not guilty. See, people that's been forgiven and still go to jail. People that have been forgiven and still live like hell. People that have been forgiven, whether it's spiritual from God or from somebody else, basically are still the same person. It don't bring no change or nothing. See, you just have been forgiven given of all your sins. Why? The why is because of what Jesus did. It's all on. He took it all. It's not on him now, but he took it all. The whole world. He was the final sacrifice. So he took all mankind's sin upon himself so God can be able to reconcile himself to the world. Let me give you another one you probably never heard before. That doesn't mean you reconcile back to God. See, God was able, you go to the above, above verses uh, from, uh, you read uh, 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 2 Corinthians 5 and 16 on down, 
all the way to 20. That explains all of this is what I'm talking about. See, God reconciled himself to the world and how the world could be reconciled back to God and how men was reconciled uh, back to God by believing what Jesus done. First Corinthians 15, one to four. See, this is a message of grace. God's unfavor, unmerited favor. This is the message of grace that we live in. See, we live in unconditional faith. We live in, we, we, we don't, there's no conditions, nothing you have to do. See, we live under, under grace. So when somebody come to you talking about, you know, or they, they, they use the right comfort type of style, the lordship, salvation and stuff like that. That's not the gospel. I'm not saying this man not saved. I don't know if he is. I'm just saying that's not the gospel because that keeps a person sin conscious and they look at themselves as wretched. They can't see themselves getting right with God. When you sit out there, you basically almost telling a person they need to stop doing this or they're this and they're, they're that. Are you there? Now, those acts. Yeah, you we he even saying himself, right? Call for sins. He'd be lying if he said don't. If he lied saying he don't, he just sinned because he lied. Kirk Cameron sinned. John MacArthur sinned. All these ministers sinned. So when you go out there and tell a person they need to stop this, they need to stop that, that's, they, they're telling them something that has nothing to do with salvation. To make, they, they're saying you need to be better. You need to live holy. That's what they're saying, which none of us could. Not even the Jews can do that. To live a holy life. Don't even understand what it means to be holy in the eyes of God. You can't be holy in the eyes of God. Jesus done everything for the sin nature. See. You can't mix up the kingdom and grace all together. You cannot do that. So when you go out there and you ask a person. Have you ever committed adultery? They're going to say yes on quite a few of them. Whatever like that. And also I'm going to try to correct some as well. Because you stole a pencil, whatever like that, and you you know, uh, you you a lot of us done this. We done it in hotels, and I rebuttal how comfort comes this way, and I, he go as far, which is ridiculous. But the people don't get it because they think he's right. Have you ever picked up a pencil and tuck it in, and it wasn't yours? And the person said yes. Then what Ray Comp said, that makes you a thief. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. His point is that makes you a thief. That means that makes you a sinner. You sin and as a God, God is charging you for that sin. No, he's not. See, you have a liar before, a person says, sure, that makes you a liar. You, you see what I'm saying? Those things are law. See, those are type of things. And added man-made traditions, but it's the law. See, he's talking to them according to the law. See, how God is looking at this dreadful sinner and whatever like that and stuff like that because you stole a pencil or you lied and you done this. Or let's go to the deeper ones. Have you ever fornicated? Have you ever committed adultery and stuff like that? A person might say, yes. Then you are adulterer. Okay. Now, a person under grace, let's look at it in the law term. 
let's look at it in the and according to the law, because this Lordship Salvation and Calvinists are still using a lot of the law concepts. They won't admit that because they mix grace and law together. That's what makes it so confusing. But you can't take one thing of the law and just suspect it not to be added to the 613 because you are guilty of all according to the book of Galatians and uh, what Paul was saying in the book of Galatians. So you can't nitpick certain things and add it or take away. If you are committing, if you want to put yourself under the law, any sin that you do, you're guilty of all, period. And I don't know why they, I don't know why they missed that, period. So when we start picking out certain things, are you a sinner? Are you a adulterer? Are everything like that based on the law? See, all of us was that. We was wretched. We committed those things. But under grace, God does not focus on your sins because there's no sins for him to charge you with because there is no law. So when you get the Ray Conference out there and everything, now all those things are bad and they're going to continue to be bad. You have believers that do that. And I'm going to get to that later. So when you have the Ray Comfort and, and, and them keeping you sin focused, they're basically saying you need to change yourself. That, that is conditional. It's something you have to do to make yourself better in the eyes of God for him to even want to look at you or consider you to be salvation. See, that's false doctrine. That's not the gospel. Under grace. A lot of things that they're saying is not even the gospel under the kingdom. It's, it's a Pharisaic law that was traditionally made added on with the law. You have that today. And a lot of denomination churches, especially the Catholic Church, see, works. Something you have to do the way you have to dress or, you know, something like that. You know, I'm, I'm not see, I'm not using Ray Comfort as a straw man and it's like because I don't like the straw man thing. But I would like you to go and check out his street ministry yourself. You can agree or disagree. And how he approached someone. He's very good at what he do. If you don't know the word of God yourself. If you don't know how to rightly divide the word of God. He sounds like he's 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 on it. He knows because he know how to quote certain scriptures and everything like that. He quote a lot of out of context scriptures. What do I mean by that? He quote a lot of scriptures that we're not supposed to obey under grace but if you if you are a believer and don't know that or you from the world you don't know that you you don't know anything about that you just think because a person quotes the scriptures and they real good at it that they are rightly dividing the word of God which is far from the truth because you quote a lot of scriptures don't mean you're rightly dividing the word of God you have a lot of atheists and alcoholics can do that on the streets today. They know a lot of scriptures. You got a lot of people that's mentally deranged quote a lot of scriptures, but you will notice it's a lot of the Old Testament's condemnation type of scriptures to justify them and make them look good. You, you see what I'm saying? Now, I know I'm going a roundabout way about forgiveness. Forgiveness ain't got nothing to do how good we are. Forgiveness is not a, a, a free ticket to go to heaven. You understand that? Okay. All right. I wanted to break all that down because I want to get things straight. When I have an audio guest on here, you might hear the way I teach or the way Trey Searcy teach. I'm just naming the because we really are strong 
on the world's sins have been forgiven. Not saved, but been forgiven. But if you might hear a Les Feldick or a Grace uh, Justin Johnson or another, they might have a different look on forgiveness. I don't want you to think that, you know, I don't want you to be confused. It's just that we don't agree on when it comes on forgiveness, but they are outstanding teachers and they are very worth listening to as well as me and my and the other Tracy that stands on for forgiveness. We're not limited forgiveness. We believe in the full atonement of Christ. Christ forgave all sins, not little sins, not half sins. God does. He done it all. See, that's what I mean by limited forgivers. See. And a lot of times I believe why many ministers and grace teachers are limited in their forgiveness because of denominational traditional dogma still stuck in that from the denomination. That's hard to get out of, but it's come to a point we need to take the Bible. What it's saying, you take everything else. But when it comes to forgiveness, you know what it is about salvation. You know all those things. But when it comes to forgiveness, you are limited because you just can't see it. I don't need a lot of scriptures uh, uh, to believe what 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 is saying. God is not counting trespasses against the world, period. He done that before when there was no law. After the fall of man, all the way down until it came to Moses, God was not counting trespasses against those sins then until the law of Moses, which started in Exodus 24. But he still destroyed the world because they knew the difference between good and evil. That was known because Adam, when Adam ate that fruit, <clears throat> Adam, Adam conscience was opened up. He, he, he developed a, 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 a human conscience. So he knew the difference between good and evil. He didn't know sin. Sin wasn't thought of. Only God knew what sin was. Man did not know. Listen closely what I'm saying. But Adam and Eve knew the difference between good and evil. They knew moral and, and, moral, and moral because it was in their heart. Because their minds and their conscience was open when they ate that fruit. Before then, only God knew the difference between good and evil. Did the angels know anything like that? Now, the Bible does not say, so I'm not going to go there. Yeah, baby, I don't know. You know, but God knew the difference from good and evil. See. You understand what I'm saying? He knew what was sin. He knew the name of what was sin. Man did not know, but they knew good and evil, right and wrong. That's why God was justifying destroying them. They knew more. They was able to form their own government and make their own human laws before the Mosaic law because in order for you to make a human law, you got to have some type of structure. You do this and you do this, you're wrong and you're right, right? So they had a conscience of good and evil, but they didn't know what sin was. They didn't know the name of it. They didn't know they was doing that, but in their conscience, they knew it was wrong because their own heart convicted them what was wrong and right. So God destroyed them. If God didn't destroy, if God didn't destroy them for that reason, he would have been unjustified to do that. So he was justified. He destroyed them for their wickedness. See, not because they're sin, because they wasn't under no law of sin because of their wickedness. God always was destroyed evil and good and wickedness. 
But when the sin came under Israel, under the law, it came to be their schoolmaster to show them what was sin. This is adultery. This is fornication. This is this. This is whatever. This is murder. See, Cain, when he killed Abel, knew he was wrong. That's why he was trying to hide from God. When Adam first ate that fruit, what did they do? They tried to ride, hide, and run from God because they know they done wrong. Their conscience, see, they knew the difference between wrong and right, wrong and evil. So uh, until the law came to show them you are a sinner because you done this. Paul explains that in Romans 7. I didn't know. I was covenant until the law showed me that I was lusting. I was covenant lusting as in the things and agreed, not in sex. You see, the law points out what is sin. You understand what I'm saying? Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not, you know, covet this. Thou shall not whatever. I'm so ashamed. I don't even know the Ten Commandments all the way through. <laughs> but the Ten Commandments. The moral commandments, not the 613 laws, but those commandments breaking down what you should not do. Now, before then, you did not know. Now you have a name to that act that you do and you know God is against it and you will trespass his laws when you do that. You understand what I'm saying? So let me digress. This is not the first time. Why? Because whenever there is a law. God can charge you for sin. Let me make this clear. Not the human law. I'm talking about the Mosaic law, when, which was for Israel. Whenever, whenever there's a law, whenever there's a law, God can charge you for sin because you will be breaking a law. Okay? When there is no law, Romans 4 and 16, there is no trespasses against sins because you're not breaking no law. That don't make you, that don't mean you get away from your evilness or your wickedness. It just means you're not breaking a particular law. The law came through Moses starting in uh, close to Exodus 24. <clears throat> See, so whenever there was a law, there was a penalty for sin. That's my point, point, point blank. When there's no law, there's no penalty for sin. That don't make you a, a, a free ticket to heaven. That don't make you righteous or good or they don't make you not guilty. That's just you can't be charged for nothing that you ain't breaking. You, you see what I'm saying? You understand? I hope you get in the picture now. Okay. Okay, I'm going to end with this. I wanted to break that out there because I think that's very important. If you kind of confused about forgiveness, you don't have to be. You do not have to be. I will I will be uh playing a a, a, a few more less Feldics uh audio teachings. Also Trey Cersei and myself, Justin Johnson. I would do that quite a bit on connecting the dots, you know, and I would do my a lot of my own teaching as well. <clears throat> because I'm doing other things, I'm doing the Body of Christ Real Talk. I stay on there a lot. I recommend you go check a real talk that again. Get more gets more into different topics and worldly events looked at through the lens of a Christian, a believer. Body of Christ, real talk. If you like that, you want to know what's going on around the world and broken down in a biblical perspective. Connected, that's a strictly Bible study. You're going to learn the word of God. It's Bible study. It don't get into world events or nothing like that. 
is for Bible study, strictly for the saved that needs to come into the knowledge of the truth, Romans 2 and 4. Now, I'm not saying nobody else can listen to it, but your spirit man will be fed and your spirit man will understand it when you are saved more than you're not saved. That's why I recommend this very deeply for the saved, connecting the dots. Body of Christ, real talk is for the world, everybody. And my, my, my goal is for them to be saved and then come to the knowledge of the truth so I can tell them about connecting the dots. You understand what I'm saying about that? Okay. All right. So I will be doing some, having some audio guests and all this willing, you know, to keep the uh, content going because I don't want to keep it stalled like I have been doing. I apologize for that. And I, I thank you. I thank God for the ones that's been still listening to my show. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep some type of, uh, uh, content going, whether it's uh, Les Felder, Trey Cersei, Justin Johnson, or different guests like that. But Richard, me, the reason I mentioned those because those are the main ones I'm going to have on there. There's many that I listen to them more than anybody, especially Trey Cersei and Les Felder. So you'll get a lot of their material on my show. And these will be the main three, three on my show, you know, mainly Les Felder and Trey Cersei and myself on Connecting the Dots. You know, you're going to hear more from me, but I have audio guests that's relevant and we speak and we are on one accord. Might not agree on everything, but we are on one accord. So, you know, whoever I have on there, believe me, you can trust because I learned from these great teachers. OK, God bless you. This is Joseph Brownlee of Connecting the Dots. You're going to get you're going to learn how to connect the dots for you. You're going to learn how. The Bible's like a puzzle. You have to learn how to put the pieces in the right slot. If you don't, they won't fit in. You ever try to fit something that don't belong in the slot? When it comes, it becomes frustrating, and you got to just really check it out in mind. It's like moving. And ch I don't play chess, but I'm just saying that people be concentrating, whatever, like that. You have to learn how to just find the right slot. You know, this 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 podcast can also been called, you know, learning how to put a puzzle together. You know, it could connecting the dots and putting the puzzle together. I, 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 I will use that interchangeably because it basically means the same thing to me. You're just trying to find the right folk, not focus, but you're just trying to put the pieces together. And that's what you have to do with the Bible, because the whole Bible is not to it's for you, but it's not to you. The whole Bible is for us, but it's not to us. That's why an unsaved person just can't pick up the Bible and just start reading and apply it to themselves. The majority of the Bible is for a believer. That's probably probably heard. The majority of the Bible, especially the King James Bible, is for a believer. It wakes up their spirit, man. Now, I'm not saying the world cannot read the Bible. I'm not saying that. But the benefits of the Bible, especially under grace today, they cannot apply them to themselves. They can't even apply the kingdom to themselves because they're not under that anyway. But the rest of the Bible is based on, let me give you an example. When an unsaved person puts up the word of God, and I just, I'm giving you some food for thought when uh, that you can tell the unsaved, when they pick up the word of God and they're reading the four gospels, that's not for them. It's not for them, even if they say, but I'm speaking as uh, un, if they was unbeliever and they read that unbelievers do that all the time. They start quoting scriptures on buses and trains and they start saying, God, it doesn't apply to them. It's Jesus is not talking to you. 
that's cold, but that's true. It's a book out there called Jesus is Not Talking to You. It's a very good book. I think his name is McClendon. I think he passed away, but a good book. Look up that book, Jesus is Not Talking to You. Okay, Jesus is not talking to you under the kingdom program. Jesus is not talking to you under Paul's letters. See, he's not talking to you because Paul's letters is for the church, the body of Christ. It's not for the unsaved, it's for the saved. So you can read it, but you will not grow, get benefits because it's not for the unsaved. It's for the, the, the church, it's for the body of Christ. You see where I'm going now. So, okay, what about Hebrews, James, John, Revelation? No, most definitely that's not for you because that's talking about the end times. That's talking about the tribulation period. That's talking about getting Israel prepared for the tribulation period. See, and only way that you will be involved is that you will have to go through the tribulation period. You will have to go to the, through the wrath of God. You, you understand what I'm saying? If you are an unbeliever listening to this, if you're not and you are a believer, this is what you can teach your congregation or teach the unsaved. So that's why I said the majority of the Bible is for the open eye spirit believer. They will get a better understanding because the majority of the uh, the principles. Now, let's talk about principles. It's certain principles that an unbeliever can use that will benefit them, not spiritually, but it's good conduct and how to do this, or whatever like that, you know, being married and everything like that's good to be married and not living living sin. Okay, Joe, you just talking about God. No, he's not. But it's still sin. You just not been charged for it. So having one man and having one woman is always a good thing in marriage. But you're not will you will not reap the benefits of salvation or the benefits of the body of Christ because you do that. You will go to hell trying to live a human good life. You can go to hell by having good decent morals. So you see how that won't even benefit you? You could be a somewhat humanly decent person. And there's a lot out there, even decent and more false conduct than some believers and Christians. Believers, I'm, I'm using it interchangeable now, okay? So just remember that. Your moral goodness and your good conduct because you don't smoke, drink, or don't, don't mess around will not get you to heaven. There's only one way, believe in what Jesus did, okay? You cannot even go to heaven by believing who Jesus was. Under the kingdom program, you can only go to heaven by believing and receiving what Jesus did. And you got to really mean and believe that you just can't say it. You can't just can't say it and believe that it happened. You have to believe it and receive it with a changed, contrite heart, a repentant heart. Repentant means change of mind, okay? So that's why I say that. You probably heard nobody else say that. I didn't get this from nobody else. Uh, when I read the Bible, I know the majority of the Bible is for the believer. The benefits of it is for the saved, not the unsaved, when it comes to the grace especially. And you cannot apply the kingdom to you because you're not un you, we never was under the kingdom program anyway. You see what I'm saying? Okay, this is Joseph Brownlee connecting the dots. Stay tuned for audio guests. I'm not saying right away. I don't know when, but I'm going to do a little short teachings and different verses myself to keep you guys fed in the word of God. Okay. I love you all. God bless you all. And I appreciate you guys tuning in and connecting the dots. God bless you. Love you. Peace out.